Jim Wits Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, aka Chef Sonic. And we are the Jim Wits. So, do you have Movie Pass? I do not, but I'm considering getting it. My mom actually <laughs> now has you're it. you're considering getting it? Yeah. Have you been following all the insanity fo- like around Movie Pass right now? Oh, no. It's a good it's thing. It's a that terrible you told idea me. to get it. Movie- oh, get- right, well, okay. So, <laughs> I'm surprised at how many people are not aware of the insanity or of Movie Pass. So, if you're if you didn't know up until recently movie pass for basically 10 bucks a month allowed you to go to a movie a day um every day the only restrictions were you couldn't go to the same movie you know twice and you could only see one movie a day but and look and it didn't have you couldn't see any movies no no Some you could no no up until recently accept it, well, right? most theaters accepted more like indie theaters yeah but even most some of them did it as well I but like the it. bigger indie theaters did too so you know you were you were you know it had to be really obscure indie theater um but otherwise most theaters took it uh it was great like when i had it for the first few months i mean i wasn't one of those guys that was going to go see you know 10 movies a month but it was just still great to have and it worked pretty well um the main other restriction is that like you you'd have to be close to the theater in order to check in and then you buy your ticket on the line and then they they have e-ticketing which is means you can actually get your tickets through the app but there are only two theaters in the city that do that so up until a few months a month or two ago it was everything was perfectly fine but then they they had a weekend where things were just out and then it came out that like they they needed to borrow money and then they started like every weekend it seemed like they were doing stuff where like you couldn't get you couldn't get the main movies and then you couldn't get like tickets at any theater and the only theaters that worked were the ones with the e-ticketing and then like last week you had to choose between two like every week it seems like they're changing things then they changed their policy so instead of unlimited movies now you're lim- well the first thing they did they went from 10 to 15 dollars a month but then they went back down to 10 but then they limited you to three movies a month so it's there are a few others that you might want to consider. Like there's AMC has their own one now where it's like three movies a month. Uh, I think it's three movies a week for 20 bucks a month. So it's a little, it's twice as expensive, but it's, it's AMC. You can see IMAX 3d and all that stuff. There's another one, I think Cine- cinema or cinema or something like that. They have one too, but I would do your research first because movie pass is, is all a mess. And I'm still, I'm still subscribing. Cause for me it works because I can, um, like I don't see more than three movies a month as it is, and if it's only ten bucks, um, and the e-ticketing works, there are two theaters that work for me for e-ticketing. So I kind of like that you can just go on, you know, reserve ahead of time. But we'll see how much longer this lasts. Um, I think if anything, Movie Pass is kind of like like the MySpace of of this type of thing, uh-huh. where you know, it, it's, it, funny. It, it's opened the floodgates. So you you really can't have you can't get rid of it. But I think they'll, you know, between AMC and some of these other companies, I sure. think you're just gonna have better iterations of it. And MoviePass might, you know, if they don't fix things soon, they may fall by the wayside. But anyway, um, have you? So yeah, sorry, you, you tuned in for fitness, but you're gonna get movie talk uh, for a few minutes. So have you? Have you seen any good movies? I, I did. I saw a wonderful documentary. Oh, uh, was it Three Identical recently. Strangers? I did see that okay, one, which cool, was yeah. great. But uh, I saw another one, and what? it was the documentary on Mr. Rogers. Mm. I didn't see that yet. Is that good? Is it good? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful movie. Yeah. yeah. It, and um, uh, it really turns out that he's uh, a, just an incredible person. He's almost like a modern, he's a modern day saint. Yeah. Really, for what he did. And there, there was one part, I'm not going to go into really the story. It's, it's, if you don't know about Mr. Rogers, um, he was a... Uh, a, uh, a child's it was a child's television show in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood um, from the late 
basically the late 60s all the way through the 1980s. I don't think anyone listening to this podcast doesn't know who Mr. Rogers uh, you never is. know. There's younger there's younger folks that uh, he wasn't around. Um, I remember I watched him when I was very young. Did you watch him yeah, as well? Of course. So um, he was really all about sort of integrity and making uh, quality children's programming. Um, so that's that's sort of what he was about. And it was just so funny uh, how in a in a I, I recommend to go see the the documentary. It's really fantastic. There, there's just one part which um, sort of I, I was I was thinking of recently, and it's funny how in a in a recent episode that Ryan and I recorded, we talked about uh, a little bit about extrapolating information. So if you're reading a study, and it says, oh, you know, it says one thing, and you, and then you sort of take it to mean the next. So uh, in this instance, there was a study on um, how. Uh, fitness can help with mental health, right? So it basically said if you, uh, 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 the uh, subjects that were suffering from depression had less depression when they uh, uh, participated in fitness activities. And so one could extrapolate from that, oh, well, the more, uh, the more exercise I do, the better my mental health. But it actually turns out that that's not true. That the study said there is a limit, and that actually you have a, a, a decline in mental health if you go too far with the exercise. So there was just there was just one part of this movie that I that that these sort of professional newscasters, journalists made incredible, really extrapolating. So one big thing that Mr. Rogers said was, "You are special." Um, you are loved, and there was a sort of a religious undertone to it because he was a uh, a religious person and what they extrapolated from it was that he was telling kids you're special so you are entitled and that they were blaming him for a generation of entitled um, youth when if they had done really any research they would have known that he would have not been into telling kids that they deserve he just wanted to tell kids that they were loved or that they should be loved or they're loved by God or, or, or whatever it was Right, not that they're entitled, not that they deserve things without working for them. He was a very hard worker. He would have never been in favor of kids not having to uh, work for what they they want. He was just basically saying, "Look, you don't have to be a, a famous person, right? You're still, you know, to to be successful. You don't have you just just to be loved is enough." Right, so he in no way said anything about you don't have to work, you don't have to earn anything. But these newscasters were saying stuff like, the journalists, I don't know what they were, you know, they were on, they were on some media outlet saying, oh, he was an evil person. Uh, he was telling kids that you don't have to work for it. It's like, when did he ever say anything about that? He just said that you're special in your own way. He never said anything about it, so they completely extrapolated, right? For I doubt they even looked into him at all. So it was just I was just thinking about that recently, and when we, uh, and of course, sort of how that relates to like what you were talking about with uh, uh, information, like with studies and extrapolating too much. So I don't know why I went off on that tangent, <laughs> yeah. but it was, <laughs> was just something that was very interesting to me. Yeah. It's something that annoyed me when yeah. I was watching the movie how uh, professional journalists. Uh, and newscasters could extrapolate this sort of stuff just for rate. Who knows why they? Did. It just it seemed ridiculous to me. Wow, cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about you? I've I've seen a bunch of good movies. I will okay. not spend that much time talking about each individual one, but I, but there are, there are some really good things that I think people should should see. Um, 
uh, there oh, by was, the way, we are not endorsed by these movies. They're no, not, not paying us to advertise. Not. No, but and yeah, we're a fitness podcast, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe we'll leave in the show notes. Like you could fast forward to this uh, this time if, if you can timestamp it. But um, I'm gonna give you a few things that are pretty good. So three identical strangers. I saw. I thought it's really good. It's the three basically story of these um, identical triplets uh, who are separated at birth uh, and find each other uh, kind of randomly. And, you know, I guess they became kind of, um, uh, what I, the word I heard, I think it was like pre-viral kind of, you know, for the time became a kind of viral sensation without internet, obviously. Um, and I think it was around when, right before we were born that it was a big deal. So obviously we would have no recollection of right it. Right in the early 80s. But um, it's crazy because you think that's the crazy part of the story and that's not. It just takes a crazy turn. Um, so I definitely recommend it. It's really, really well done. Uh, then I saw a few really good movies. Um, I saw Black Klansman last night. Oh yeah, I want to see that. Spike Lee, it's awesome. Really, really good. It's really good. He definitely like he. Spike Lee can be a hit or miss. This yeah. is it. It was an excellent movie. Um, if you don't know, it's a and kind it's of based on a it's true based story, on right? a true story about a, a black police officer in Colorado who basically infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan and um, you know forms a relationship with David Duke, um, who does not realize that he is a black man um, on the phone. And obviously they had a white officer um, kind of portray him uh, in person. But but excellent movie. You know, I don't know how much of it's fictionalized, um, you know, and how much isn't. And clearly there are some, you know, dramatic moments that you're pretty sure did not happen in real life. But but either way, it's a really, really good, good movie. Um, so another really good movie um, uh, sorry to bother you. Have you seen the previews for that? Oh no, no. Uh, barely heard about that shit. Crazy. <laughs> it's a, it is a, it's like Get Out meets um, Idiocracy. Uh, it's basically it's like kind of this dystopian future, um, kind of sci-fi ish. Uh, basically, guy kind of meanders through the world, um, you know, looking for a job, gets a job at this telemarketing company. And, uh, and, and, you know, another, in another movie that deals with, um, someone faking a white voice, um, he, he, he learns that he, in order to be successful, he needs to, he's a black guy, needs to use his quote white voice, which is a voice by, I think, I think it's David Cross, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and you know, he, he, he becomes very, very successful doing that. And then it just kind of, it, it, it devolves from there. It's just, it, it's insane. Um, kind of absurdist, really funny, very smart. Um, it definitely has a, an anti- kind of capitalist uh, bent to it. Uh, and it's kind of a take on the, on the world. And it's, it's really good. So I definitely recommend that, even though it's, it's out of its mind. I think it's one of those movies that the highs are high and the lows are kind of low. Like it, it, it could have been cut. I, I feel like it needed one more edit to really get it tight because I think it's a little long. And some of it's like there's a really good message there, but then you're, you're not sure sometimes like what's absurdist and what's like a real message, which sometimes gets lost a little bit. But I still recommend it. And then um, probably my favorite movie of the year, and I think this is the last movie I'll, I'll bring up in this this uh, movie chat, is um, Blind Spotting, which uh, is uh, it, I don't think it's done all that great, but it's the to me the best movie I've seen this year. And, you know, and, and among uh, you know I've seen some pretty good movies so far. But uh, it's basically, it's written by two best friends. Um, one of the guys is David Diggs, who is the original guy to play Jefferson in Hamilton. Um, and he's been in other things, like he's in Kimmy Schmidt, and he's in a few other a few other shows here and there. Um, but I guess he and, uh, I don't know if it's a childhood best friend or, you know, but they're best friends. And they've been writing this script apparently for 10 years. And it's clear because the chemistry between them is really good. But it's basically about a guy who is on parole. And it's, uh, he's kind of got last three days of parole. 
and he, uh, you know, it's basically like, all right, just don't mess up these last three days and don't go back to jail. And it's kind of him trying to get him, get it, you know, get his act together and his friend who's a bit of a, bit of a knucklehead and, and an instigator and kind of watching them get through those last few days. And, uh, it's one of these movies, it's, it's really funny. Um, and then when it needs to be dramatic, it's really dramatic. And, um, to me, it's kind of subversive because if you see the previews, you don't get, not quite what you you expect, but I would say if you, if you see any of these movies, see Blind Spotting. It's probably again my favorite movie um, so far this year. What do you think about the new Academy Award for Best Popular Movie? <laughs> I, it's I, what does that even mean? I don't even know if they know what it, it means. It means, I, I, well, okay. I, you know, having read a few like kind of think pieces on it, listened to some podcasts where they talk about it. It's. You know, I guess my take is that I think there there are two parts. I think part one is, you know, they want to get more viewers. So, it, you know, they, it, they tend to lean on like the independent movies and smaller movies that no one's seen. And that's what tends to get, you know, that ten, that ten, those movies tend to be, you know, the ones that are up for best picture and, and uh, performances that are up for the kind of best actor, best supporting actor and and unfortunately, they're not hits with the people. So I think it really, at the end of the day, that, that that category, I think a lot of it is just like, well, if we can throw Infinity Wars and Black Panther and, and you know, Transformers or whatever the big popular movie is, then maybe we'll get some more eyeballs. Um, and then the cynic in me is kind of like, well, uh, you know, Black Panther is probably not going to get an Academy Award nomination, but we can we can put it for best popular movie and it can win that, which would piss me off anyway. So so uh, you know I think um, yeah I I think it's kind of silly like that. It, it also it insults the intelligence of of filmgoers. So what are you saying that like you know you know these movies aren't aren't good enough they're not art they're not they're, they're not the the purest form of the art so we'll 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 give the dumb down award this is the dumb award so for the you know the because you guys don't know what f- real film cinema is so here's the here's an award for you dumb people who just like you know just like to watch things blow up i don't know yeah. what do you think yeah i i agree first off award shows are all shams to begin with they are celebrations Made for, paid for by the by the entity that that is you know promoting it, yeah. promoting itself, yeah. right? So it's like an award show where the people who make the movies are awarding themselves for yeah. it. Yeah. So it's just it, it's just BS to begin with, and that that goes for all award shows. Yeah. Right? There's just it's just another form of promotion. Yeah. Now. What I thought you should have, if you're going to have the best popular film, was just straight up make it most popular film, right? Uh. Because I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Because if there is an art in making a superhero movie or a blockbuster, it's getting a lot of people to like it. And it doesn't mm. matter whether or not it's good or not. If a lot of people like it, you cannot argue with that, right? So simply make it the most popular film. Let the viewers Vote on it, and the the voters can't lie, right? If if if, and that that's, it's strictly a, a, a not made a decision by some closed knit group of producers and writers and film people like in a room. It's just if you want to make it a popular film, let the people vote on it, and that's legit, and that's fine. It doesn't. It's not saying it's good. It's just the most popular film. Yeah. No, I, and I, it, I, you you can't argue with it. How could you? I mean, there. Look, you could say, well, that people don't have access. 
for the that, most that's part. That's what like the MTV Movie Awards. That's are fine. But that, that's fine. This, if so that's think, what it is, that's what it is. I think the point is right. You get you have there's not the budget for certain like Blind, blind Spotting is a great example. I think everybody should see that movie. It should almost be required viewing. I think that that's how good of a movie it is. But no one's gonna go see it because you know it's not gonna get the budget. They're not gonna get the marketing. It's not gonna get any of the attention that that, that I think it deserves. It have a sexy maybe it gets the maybe gets an you know awards nomination and maybe that helps it you know down the road. With the bigger budget movies, your Mission Impossible's or you know Black Panther, in, Infinity War. You know the, I mean the one thing you, you you can say with those movies is they they do have to be dumbed down to to the extent that we, you know they rely heavily on special effects they rely on 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 bells and whistles and so a lot of times the story and the nuance gets lost in in the in that and you know it's hard to you know it's it, but you have to because you need that because that's what audiences go see so in a weird way like i understand the category? Don't they even have a category for a best action movie? Because they, they don't have best action movie. Or they, they have like cinematography. They've got like effects. They they've got, to. but they don't have best. Wouldn't, action wouldn't movie that be? A, when, I'm sorry, that, that's what I meant. Wouldn't that be a better? Sure, yeah. Category or like just a pop culture award. But I still think like, look, you, I mean, you, you know, and this started way back with the Dark Knight. Remember the Dark Knight came out? I think yeah, yeah. still. It I think it was the best movie that year. I think it's. I mean, it's phenomenal. And it didn't even get nominated, so then they increased the number of awards to allow for that, and clearly that didn't work. Um, you know, I don't know how you fix that because yes, most of these movies are not don't hold up, you know, to time. You know, they and they don't hold up, um, you know, as far as being great movies. I'm fully aware of that, but I don't think the answer is to create a best best of these stupid popcorn flicks so that we can get your eyeballs on the on the show award i think they need to you know find a better way around that maybe you know or or decide you know change the criteria for deciding or maybe you know i don't know but i think yeah i just i think it's i'm cynical about the award and i think it's silly and i don't think it you know it's going to mean nothing whatever movie wins you know i don't I, you know which i it will be black panther that's going to win that award um, and I, I, it's like sucks because you know if, if you're gonna if you're gonna put that up, put it up for best picture. Whether or not you believe that, you know, put those movies up for that, you know, that award, or don't put it up for those awards. Let them win the effects in cinematography or you know whatever. The, you know, maybe not you know but effects or whatever. Well, I what I think is either make a most popular movie or make a best action movie because they're mostly action movies, yeah, that's right? Fair. Yep. So that seems to. I would solve say best the action movie might. You know, do it because I think popular movie like what, what the hell does yeah, that yeah, mean? What's the criteria? Like, what if like, you know, what you know, what if you take a movie? I don't know. What what if some indie movie just makes it big and and becomes a I massive know, monster That's, hit? Yeah. Does that then become you know popular? And then what about a movie like? I can't even think right now. But what about a movie that's a, that was a big? Act? What if it's a Mummy, that yeah, yeah. that's a massive failure, but was done for like a two hundred million dollar budget? Then what yeah, do you yeah. do for that? You know, and 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 what if you do have the Dark Knights of the World, like where you do have a movie that's that good? Like where does it get? Can it be in both categories? Can you have a movie? Sure. That, you know, there's all these things. So. Yeah, you, you guys listen to Ryan and Justin go to the <laughs> movies, um, but we actually do have fitness talk today. Um, it was an interview out. Justin had some. Um, issues uh, last week and some family issues so he was not present for the interview Um, but I had a really good chat with Mike Rosa Rosa of um, Anabolic Aliens 
And uh, a really fun chat. We talked about powerlifting, talked about his um, social media, which has a huge, huge subscriber base. Um, and a re- really good time. Uh, kind of too bad you didn't you didn't jump yeah, on the actually, call. I'm familiar with Anabolic but, Aliens. Yeah, but like you'll you'll be uh, you'll be we'll have him on again. It was a really really fun chat. We we you know, talked about a lot, and there's so much more that we we can talk about that um, we'll definitely have him back. So without further ado, uh, here is my interview with Mike Rosa. Hey everyone, we're here with Mike Rosa of Anabolic Aliens. Mike, how are you doing today? Hey Ryan, thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great, great. Thanks. So Mike, you've got a for for a young guy. I'm I'm je- definitely jealous uh, when I saw your age. Uh, you've got a lot going on in fitness. I'm really kind of impressed. And you know, I think uh, you know if I was to tell somebody that was getting started as a trainer and in health and fitness, I uh, would try to direct them in the way that you've gone. So congrats, you know, on what you've been able to get done so far. Thank you very much. I mean, I know what I want to do for a while, so it's just a matter of getting after it. Absolutely. So, so I guess before before we kind of get really into your business and what you've got going on, um, we always kind of want to get started with any of our guests uh, to get a little bit of your kind of health and fitness origin story. So, you know, whether you started as a kid playing baseball or you got into it as an adult, maybe give us a little bit of kind of your own background in sports, health, and fitness. Yeah, absolutely. So. I originally, um, what baseball is actually my main sport. I originally actually went to college for baseball to Western New England University, and I kind of, as I started to advance more into the fitness aspect, I actually started gearing away from sports. I played, so I played baseball, basketball, and I was also doing track. Um, and then senior year was when things really started to take off fitness-wise for me. Me and my mom actually did the entire insanity program together, and that's where I kind of fell in love with exercise, especially the hit format. And ever since then, we were waking up at like 5 a.m. doing the workouts together just to make sure we got them in. Then I'd go to school. I'd go to baseball practice. And then I'd go to the gym after that. So it really just started seriously my senior year. And then after I went to college for baseball, I realized that they had me only doing like specified lifts for the team. And it wasn't really my style of lifting. I kind of wanted to get into my own routes. So I ended up transferring to the University of New Hampshire. And that's when I started really my powerlifting career. I got my personal training certification from ISFTA and started personal training under Casa Health and Wellness in Groton, Mass. And then that kind of sparked me into more group training because I really loved the HIT format. So I was running boot camps and all these different types of classes. And then I started to do that at the University of New Hampshire. And then I competed that summer going into my sophomore year for my first powerlifting meet. And that's also when Anabolic Aliens first started. So everything really started started with that insanity program that me and my mom did senior year. And ever since then, it just kept progressing and progressing. Well, that, that's awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge um, fan of hit hit style training as well. So I guess a question for you is, how do you make, how do you find, do you find that the hit training and the powerlifting work well together? Or do you find that you need to kind of make modifications for your, for your own training? Like, do you, cause they're somewhat different stylistically, although I definitely can see how they work well together. Kind of, how do you manage the balance for yourself? So I'm, I'm, I love working out. I'm literally in the gym for like two to four hours every uh, six days a week. And what I actually do, my, um, the way my training is set up is I do a power building program for my main compounds and accessory lifts. And the way I incorporate hit is I always do hit as a finisher for a muscle group, but more so I do it for abs and cardio. I'm a huge fan of Tabata cardio as well as Tabata abs. And then I love just playing around with other kinds of hit formats like 45 seconds of activity followed by 15 seconds of rest and so forth. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just a huge believer in the power building aspect. So be, build your base basically of strength and size. And then use the hit format to more tone up and burn fat at the same time. 
Awesome. So actually, um, I definitely I want to get into powerlifting, but since we're on the subject of hit, uh, for our listeners who maybe aren't quite familiar, or, you know, it's definitely become more of a, a buzzword. Can you maybe explain what, how hit might work, and kind of what are some of the benefits of doing that style of training? Yeah. So hit is high intensity interval training, and it basically works in intervals. So what there's ton of different options you can go about for hit. So like I said, my one of my favorite methods is Tabata, which is 20 seconds of activity followed by 10 second rest, and you do a circuit for a full four minutes, and that's considered one set. And I mean, the, you can do it for a different amount of time. I normally do Tabata for four to five sets, so 16 or 20 minutes total. And it's so what it's basically doing is it's going to spike up the heart rate, and then during the rest periods, you're basically trying to calm back down, lower the heart rate, and those accelerations of the heart rate really help accelerate fat loss. And it's one of my favorite methods and able to, while you're trying to build or even maintain, or maintain muscle mass, so you can also burn fat basically kind of in the same process. So that's how I um, philosophize my workouts with um, the strength building and then going into the hit aspect. Yeah, awesome. So now with uh, with powerlifting, so you, so you got into powerlifting then in college, right? Yep, my freshman year. Cool. So now what, um, are you still competing? I'm at, I'm about to sign up for the USAPL Nationals in October. Awesome. So now, what are the lifts? So I guess what are the lifts associated with powerlifting, and how is it different? Some people kind of it gets kind of misconstrued with or misconnected with like uh with Olympic lifts. So like, what's the difference between like powerlifting, Olympic lifting, and I guess what lifts are involved? And kind of maybe give us a little bit about some of the how the training is to really maximize you know your 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 performance. Yeah, absolutely. So powerlifting meets it's squat bench and deadlift in that order so you have three attempts per lift so um for most federations you can't really go up unless you can have a your first attempt is completed meaning you get all white lights so there's white lights and red lights and you want all white lights if you get two red lights the lift doesn't count and you can't go up and wait so you start kind of the first attempt you want to make it something your opener should be something that you're very confident to get something you can pretty easily get through and then you go up the second attempt for me my second attempt is normally my previous max and then after that, I'll go for a whole new max in, a, in the meet. And that's basically my philosophy behind setting up my attempts for my meets. Some people will be played a little more conservative, and they'll use right around their max as their third attempt. I kind of like go, get in after and see what I'm made of on the platform because you have so much adrenaline during that. Yeah. And like the, the difference, though, with um, powerlifting and Olympic lifting, Olympic lifting is more like snatches and cleans. Now, I'm definitely not an expert in those lifts. I don't really incorporate them into my training. I know a bunch of powerlifters do. Um, it's just something I, I haven't really adapted into yet. And I mean, maybe I can consider it in the future. But my basically setup from how I do my programming is I work on RPE, which is resting. Uh, what is it? Uh, RPE. Rest, uh, what is it? I'm blanking on this name right now. <laughs> um, rate for exhaustion. Or okay, yeah. Yeah, rate, yeah. Or is the rate of perceived exertion? Rate of perceived exertion. Yeah. And um, I work off a template basically. So my first week, I'll go at a uh, like RPE seven at like a six rep max basically. And then so it's not an actual max, but it's going to a six reps where I feel like I have like three reps left in the tank. And uh, then I'll cycle down through a six week programming, and then I'll go through to five reps, to a four rep, to a uh, three rep, to a two rep, and then I'll I won't always max out on that six week, but I take a deload after the six week regardless if I max out or not, and then I'll kind of recycle back to and play with different RPEs to see basically what's working best for my body. Mm -hmm. And so you so you find that doing mixing that kind of, I guess, more endurance with your building, you know, the maximal strength is some, is, is beneficial towards your kind of build, building your, or working towards your max, right? Exactly. I'm a huge fan of, start, so I start with more high volume yeah. and lower weight, and then I'll cycle downward to less volume but higher weight. That's basically yeah. how 
things. More progressive overload. How no, as you get closer to competition, um, how close do you get to your one rep max while you're training? So I make when I get close to my competition, I make sure to not do as much volume. I don't want to overdo it. Yeah. And I I probably get around eight to nine. If you want to be in kind of like the heaviest state when you're kind of close to your competition because you want to have a feel of how the how exactly your lifts are going to move in the actual competition, but you don't want like I said, you don't want to overdo it with the volume. So I'll probably stay within eight to nine point five RPE. And what if for like a nine point five RPE is that means you could maybe get like another another rep, but it'd be a struggle. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the principle I use. Now, how does um so you we hear come often that you know kind of bodybuilders even though they they sometimes look more massive or larger than powerlifters that they're you know actually not they're not as strong and so why why is it that or maybe you can tell listeners kind of why is it that you know body and how is bodybuilding different from like powerlifting like how why is it that bodybuilders aren't as strong as powerlifters yet they just look much much bigger and more massive. Yeah, so, I mean, I incorporate both philosophies into my training. That's why I call it power building. Mm-hmm. I really focus on the size aspect as well. But for a lot of powerlifters, they just focus on the compound lifts and focusing on putting up as, I mean, if they're powerlifting, they're trying to get as strong as possible, so that's their main focus. And generally, um, one to five reps is considered in the strength rep ranges, where six to 12 is in hypertrophy rep range, where most bodybuilders train at. And the, when you're planning, when you're doing hypertrophy, you're trying to focus more on the size aspect. And you're not necessarily correlating to a ton of strength gain when you're training those higher rep ranges. So that's basically, that's more so why um, bodybuilders aren't necessarily – a lot of bodybuilders are very strong. But some bodybuilders aren't necessarily as strong as the powerlifters because they're focusing more in those higher rep ranges to like focus on the muscle damage, the mechanical tension, and the metabolic stress to actually gain the muscle. So what what advice? Because obviously, you know, with the you know squat, deadlift, bench press, those are staples for most people's exercise programs. Yet, um, you know, I think competing in those lifts can be really difficult. So I guess uh, I got a, kind of a two part question. One is how you know, just as somebody who's been in the gym and observing how people lift weights, whether it's in an athletic setting or just kind of lay person working out, how are those lifts in competition different from the way the normal person does it? And then, if you are somebody who wants to get into powerlifting, how like how do, how would you go about doing it? Yeah, so the in a meet, the way the squat works is you have to your hip bone has to break the knee level, so you have to break just about below ninety, mm-hmm. and that's actually what a lot of people struggle with most in the squat, their depth. So you have to you have to break parallel in a competition for the squat to count. Um, most powerlifters always use the low bar technique because you're in a more mechanically strong position to begin with. So you can norm- most people can push more weight um, in the low bar positioning, and that's basically for squats. You just they give them a sign you're ready to go. You're on cues in competition, so you give them a sign you're ready to go. They give you the okay. You start the lift, hit the depth, you come up. Then they'll tell you to rack the weight, and the lift's over. And that's how squat works in the meet. And for bench press. The bench press has a lot more commands. Um, you give them normally. You have a lift off. You get the lift off. Then they'll say uh, go, whatever the command is. They'll come down, and then you pause it. It's a pause rep in competition. Now that's a, a big difference from a lot of people's training. Most people do touch and go, so they're not pausing on the chest in competition. You have to pause on the chest, and you have to make sure it's stable and not moving around. And then once you're settled, they'll say press. You go all the way up, and then they'll say rack, and that's when you're done with the lift. And that's the bench press. And then the deadlift, you just give them the sign you're ready to go. They'll say, all right, go. And you just come out. You'll lock it. They'll, and when you get to the lockout portion, they'll give you a thumbs up that you're good. And then you come back down, and that's how you do it. Um, you can use sumo or conventional in a meet as well. And that's the deadlift in the meet. Um, and for someone who's trying to get into powerlifting, 
I think the hardest part about getting into powerlifting is just signing up for the first meet, getting the confidence to put yourself on the platform in front of other people and push yourself to levels that you don't necessarily know what you're capable of yet. For me, I remember I was very hesitant to sign up for my first meet. I had no idea how I was going to do. I did it. I signed up for my next meet that night. So I would say for anyone trying to get into powerlifting, work on building your strength up, but just get after it. Get at, sign up for your meet. Get after it. Train for it. And then when you get there, the atmosphere there is so motivating and inspiring that you're going to want to keep pushing yourself to new limits. So now, are there are there any risks kind of associated with it? So I know a lot of people will say, like, you know, deep squats. You'll hear different schools of thought about whether or not deep squats are safe, whether or not, you know, touching the chest on a bench press is safe. So I guess what's, what you know, what are your thoughts on the kind of safety of doing lifts? Is it just kind of a risk versus reward type of a thing? Or is it that people aren't progressing properly? So I guess what are your thoughts on, like, the safety of, of doing those lifts um, in, in, in a competitive aspect? I think... I don't, uh, I don't believe there's any reason to not have a full range of motion. I think that's more of an excuse, to be honest. I think people who make those, um, try to reason that they can't go all the way down. I think it's because they haven't trained in the, they haven't trained their flexibility. They haven't trained their mobility to allow themselves to be able to go down comfortably. So they're trying to go too heavy and end up hurting themselves if they go a little lower or something because they're not used to it. So for anyone who struggles with range of motion, I always recommend. Like put stop, put the ego away, lower the weight, focus on your form, get below 90, get all the way to your chest. It's not – if you train correctly and train the proper ranges of motion, you'll establish the mobility to make those lifts safe. The only uh, – I'd say the, the biggest safety concern with powerlifting is, the, is not having a spotter. Like yeah. people don't know how to drop the bar off a squat. You don't – I I pers- my first time dropping the bar off the squat, I hurt myself. I had no idea what I was doing, and I didn't have a spotter. I was being an idiot. I didn't know what I was doing. I was younger, yeah. and I ended up tearing my meniscus. Ooh, okay. So, yeah. So I my biggest thing is just being in an environment where you know you're you're safe, and tr- always work on training in the full ranges of motion because you can't establish that range of mo- you can't establish that mobility unless you have like a medical reason that's restricting you. Yeah. Yeah, and in my my own experience, um, not with powerlifting, but like with uh, competitive um, with combat sports, is I think a big issue with people is doing too much too soon. Like you 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 jump in, you get excited, you love it, and you try to do everything you can. And with the ego combined, um, you know sometimes it's a recipe for disaster. So I can totally see. Um, when it comes to powerlifting, and you just see this in the gym in general, that people will try to do way too much too soon. And yeah, if you haven't kind of developed the range of motion and developed your strength properly, it's really easy to kind of put yourself in a position where you are going to get hurt because you're doing too much weight at a range that you're not comfortable with. Um, so yeah, I could totally you know, totally get the you know, kind of progression with lifting, you know, can make all the difference. Exactly. It's all progression is everything. Yeah. So, so now I guess you you brought it up a little bit. I was my next question was kind of going to deal a little bit, a little bit with um, and I guess we we've seen kind of powerlifting and Olympic lifting um become more in vogue. You see a lot of people doing in the gym. I see a lot more people doing full range squats and full range uh, bench presses and see more cleans and more snatches, and a lot of times I'm seeing it with really kind of poor form. So I guess um what's I guess what's the proper way to go about the right instruction? Because these are, I don't think people realize how technical all of these lifts are and how many spots there are to really be aware of and focused on. So I guess how important is it to really get proper instruction? How do you go about, about doing that? If you're just kind of a guy at the gym who, who wants to start, you know, maybe who's thinking about getting into competitive lifting. 
I mean, that's that's kind of a tough question because there's always going to be people in the gym who think they know everything and are going to tell you to do something. This is the way to do it, yeah. and you have to do it this way. And I'm actually com- I'm actually very against that. I think everyone's body is so different, and mechanics are going to be different per person. Although the the base is relatively the same per lift. And when you start getting more experienced, you pick up cues on what's working, what's not working. A lot of it is trial and error. Um, but for the most part, this, a ton, there is a ton of accurate information online and valid sources where if you're – like I'll give you a squat for example. Some people will go down on the squat and their knees will cave in and they're not exactly sure why they're not gaining mass on their legs or they're not increasing in the lift. And a simple little tip, just pushing the knees out on the squat makes the world of a difference in that lift. And it's little things like that you pick up over time as you become more and more familiar with the lifts. And you'll, you'll, for me, I'll give another example. I'll give low bar for example. It took me six months to get comfortable with low bar squatting, mm-hmm. and it was a, just a uh, concept of trial and error and figuring out what was most comfortable, what worked best for me, and then what put me in the strongest mechanical advantage. I'm still trying to figure out my, my most comfortable position for deadlifting. And that's probably my most annoying lift. And I'm just recently switched over to sumo, which is a much more technical lift than the conventional deadlift. So it's it is very when you start out, start light, get your comfort get your comfort zone, and figure out which method is gonna give you the best result. But for the most part, I really do think it's a lot of trial and error because you are everyone is very different. So there's specific tips you can use to cue yourself to improve each lift, but specifically. Finding what works best for you is just a process of trial and error over time. Got it. So I guess we'll shift gears a little bit from powerlifting. Um, uh, so your brand is um, Anabolic Aliens. So I guess tell me, how did you come up with the name, first of all? <laughs> so it was kind of just a, it was a little play on words. I'm a natural athlete, so completely drug-free. And uh, it, like Anabolic is associated with um, like steroids, obviously. Yeah. But it and the, it really does mean the definition of anabolic is to grow to build. So that's why we incorporated aliens next to it because a little play on words like anabolic aliens. So kind of like uh, <laughs> like foreign to steroids. <laughs> were th- were like think about anabolic as steroids, but it was more where we were thinking it was more so just like a fun name. We didn't want originally there was actually another partner with anabolic aliens who's not with me anymore, but um. Originally, it was just like we wanted a name that wasn't the standard so-and-so fitness. We kind of wanted to stick out. We wanted our content to be limitless, and so that's why I'm also branching out into more lifestyle content. And Anabolic Aliens is just cool. Like it sticks out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I was was thinking when when I read it, I was like, okay, well, Anabolic, it must be steroids. And that was my next question is, okay, what's the connection to steroids because of Anabolic? But by by throwing the aliens part, you're right. It does kind of – it makes you think twice and it, and it's unique. Um, and I think, you know, we, we even kind of, when we were coming up with our name for the gym, it's like, we didn't want to be another just standard, you know, another run of the mill kind of podcast or brand. We wanted something interesting and something that also, which I think you also do with, with anabolic aliens is you, you kind of take the piss out of yourself a little bit. Like we don't take ourselves too seriously. Like we're in fitness. We love it. We want to share it, but you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously and so it kind of is disarming i guess when someone sees that name and sees the personality it's like okay it's not it's not they're not too full of themselves and we can kind of maybe approach them in a, in a you know setting that's very kind of tough and and uh personal for people 
exactly. Like I, right, when I think about it now, I just basically my whole concept behind my own trading and how, what I promote is no limits. Yeah. So gains out of this world, anabolic aliens. That <laughs> <laughs> works really well. Um, so now through your brand, um, I've been really, really impressed by your ability to to have built a very large social media following on YouTube. I think you have over three hundred fifty thousand followers. Um, I think you have 20,000 followers on Instagram. So I guess tell me a little bit about, about that process. Like, was it something that happened fast? Did it take a lot of time? Like, how did, how were you able to kind of build that kind of a following? Yeah, so originally Anabolic Inning started as more like a hobby, like a fun thing. We didn't really ever think it would ever turn into a business. And then I'd say after <laughs> after two years, maybe we were at around over 1,000 subscribers. It, it was a long process. But at I really preach the concept of consistency as well. We never missed a video upload for over a week since the very beginning. Um, and eventually, one video actually just took off. My It was my intense five-minute forearm workout video. It's over six million views now. Wow. And when that went, went viral, a ton of traffic started coming to the coming to the channel. And that's really when I'm like, oh, like, this could actually be a business. Yeah. And, then, and then it turned it into then – like this is what I wanted to do. Like I love, I knew I wanted to do something with fitness. This started to take off, and I knew exactly where I was going to go from there. And then content started branching off from the viral video. Started to make intense five-minute workouts for um, other muscle groups and so forth. And everything just started to really take off in that aspect. And then once we, once this, when the video went viral, we're growing two thousand to four thousand subscribers a day. Wow. Yeah, and after two years of just getting to about a thousand. <laughs> That growth was absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. Then got to ten thousand, and then videos kept collecting, and then the content we were producing significantly improved because it actually became like a very serious thing. And it was serious from the beginning. Like the content we put out, it wasn't just jokes. Like we wanted to help people, we wanted to make a difference. But then we we're like, oh, okay, this is actually like a real thing. We're actually starting to reach a large audience, and then. Um, once once that traffic was coming in, it just kept going off what was working and building more and more content based off what people what people were requesting and everything. I take a I create a lot of content based off my community, and then once went ten k and went to fifty k in less than a month, and then from fifty k went to a hundred k, and then ever since then it's been growing about six hundred to a thousand new subscribers a day consistently for about two years now, wow. and now I'm at about three hundred seventy five thousand. That's amazing. And it goes to show the power of consistency because I think if you if you hadn't been so consistent, even if you had that big viral hit, you know, it would have just fizzled out. But because you had so much content back to back up on it and, and so and you know, kind of were able to showcase your ability to stay consistent and produce good content, I'm sure that helped you a lot. Absolutely. Right in today's world, you can have the best content in the world and it won't get seen if you don't have the exposure. Yeah. So once once the exposure finally came in, that's when we took full advantage of it and Ever since then, it's been listening to what people want, producing what we think is the best content. Well, now what I think is the best content, and it's everything has just gone in the direction that I ever dreamed of from the beginning. You know, absolutely. So now, what what about? I'm interested. Like, what about the forum video? Was like, if can you pinpoint something that about that video that was different? That kind of in hindsight, you're like, ah, that's why it went viral, or was it just kind of that just happened to be the one that hit? That I think I think that just happened happened to be the one that hit because I so my intense workouts I actually create a lot of exercises myself mm -hmm. and um, so I think the uniqueness behind the routine and the fact that 
it's actually effective. Like a lot of my routines, they uh, like especially the home workouts, they're not necessarily like the coolest looking style of training. Like they're meant to be done at home. Like um, and when people are doing them, they're like, oh crap, this actually works. Yeah. And it always looks so much harder that it always looks so much easier than it actually is because these routines are extremely challenging. Yeah. And it's just I had other content like that, then this one just took off, and people found the other ones, and then I just kept building off that. So. It was, I guess, I would say the innovativeness behind the actual routine, and then the effectiveness, of course, along with it, was what really stuck with people. Awesome. So now, in addition to the, in addition to the kind of content that you put out, uh, you have a couple of other product projects going on. So tell me a little bit about your app and you know, kind of the idea behind it, what you do, and kind of what you offer. Maybe that's different from from some of the other fitness apps that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. So my exit, my app is called Exerprise, and it is a workout generator that uses this advanced filtering technology to create you an effective workout, no matter what your time availability or equipment availability is. So you like select what muscle groups you want to work out, equipment you want to use, then your choice of time intervals or sets and reps now, which is actually the new feature, and then how long you want to actually work out for. And then all you do is click generate my workout and boom, your workout's already generated for you. We have over 500 exercises in the database. So it's worked off a randomization process, which is based off the selections you chose. And then if you want to even further customize the workout, you can choose alternatives, change the order, change the amount of sets, reps, or rests. And then if you're happy for your workout for the day, you hit the play button and the workout screen has a video of the exercise playing on the loop for you to optimize your form. And then an image at the bottom for you to show it next what's the next exercise is, and then other features like the ability to save your workouts and all sorts of other stuff. And there's a ton more um, features in the works for that. So it's really the first ever app I've, I've ever, I did a lot of research and this is the first app I've ever seen that offers these specific features um, along with the amount of exercises, especially considering I've actually created a majority of the bodyweight exercises myself. So it was originally that every single exercise in the database was made to be done at home or at the gym. So no matter where you are, you could do the workout. And now we're incorporating even more um, gym-specific exercises because I want the app to be for literally every type of exercise enthusiast. I don't care if you're a powerlifter. I don't care if you're a home workout goer. Whatever you do, I want Exercise to be the app that you can use. That's awesome. And um, and is it is it a free app or is it a paid app? Yeah, Exercise is a free download, and it you can see some of the reviews. It's a ton of great reviews already. Um, it's people get great workouts from the free. I wanted people to be able to use the app no matter if they have the um, the luxury of to actually buy the premium services. The premium services just give you give you access to every single exercise in the database along with a bunch of new features that will be coming out and the ability to save unlimited workouts and so forth. But you can 100% get a, an amazing workout and an effective workout just by the free version. Awesome. And then tell us about your website. Yeah, my website, anabalkyoungness.com. I use that mainly for – I sell apparel on there, but apparel is not really my main focus. I do a lot of per, online coaching, meaning just like I create customized workout and meal plans um, tailored to the specific individual. So that's what I mainly do on my website as well as I make a bunch of um, – pre-made programs, like programs I followed myself that I've absolutely loved, and I'll put them out, and I also incorporate a lot of my YouTube workouts into full programs that I put on my website, and just make, like, basically like a easy, easy to follow weekly setup to optimize my YouTube workouts into one format. So now, is your, is your online program, is it more of like a subscription type of service, or is it more one-on-one coaching? 
Um, and I guess on, in addition to that, how do you solve that problem of, um, you know, kind of with one-on-one coaching, sometimes there's an issue of since you're not in person, it's kind of hard to monitor the person. So how, how do you kind of, um, kind of skirt that issue of not being physically there one-on-one with somebody? Yeah. So like I said, um, the one-on-one coaching is where I build the custom workout and meal plans and my other programs are plans I've built for the general audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my one-on-one coaching plans, what I do is I send over a questionnaire of information I want from you to build a pro. I don't have templates. I build my programs from a complete scratch because I want it literally tailored to that. And I don't, I don't believe in cookie cutter stuff. Mm. I want it specific to you, specific to your goals, specific to your um, individual needs, whether like equipment, time, everything. So I really ask specific questions like that, and then I build the program. Um, and the way I, the way we stay on track with each other is I do weekly updates. I give out my cell number if they need anything. Um, I'm, we make sure to monitor progression. I give them a whole logging, like a six-week log along with their program so they're able to actually track in their numbers because I am I preach I preach um, progressive overload, so I want to make sure they're building in the direction that we want. Mm-hmm. Then we do weight monitoring, body fat monitoring, and everything like that, and I just keep getting the numbers, and we'll make adjustments as needed, and then people have been having amazing results, and I'm really proud of my clients. Awesome. So, and where can people find your, where's the website address? Anabolicaliens.com on the website. Great. Awesome. Well, um, this has been really, really great having you on the show. Um, Where can people find you in addition to the website? um, Do you have any kind of favored kind of social media addresses? Yeah, you can find everything. YouTube is my main platform, Anabolicaliens. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Anabolicaliens. Then again, my app is Xerprise. Awesome. All right, Michael, this is a great chat. and We'd love to have you back on anytime. I would love that. Thank you very much for having me, Ryan. It's been a blast. No problem. Thank you. It's been great. So definitely a great interview. I wish I could have been a part of it. One thing that... Yeah, it, it lacked the infusion of Justin <laughs> saying something ridiculous. And, and and like I always love that moment where, Justin, where you say something kind of weird. And then there's that pause where you know the guest is like trying to figure out like was he serious? <laughs> what's going on? And then they realize yeah it was a joke and it was you know a specific type of humor, uh, but yeah <laughs> okay. it missed that. So hopefully we get back to that at some point. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure we will. So I'll um I'll, I'll I'll tell something a little story that I'm that that I that I've dealt with a lot, um, not fitness related, but I'll I'll mention how it relates back to uh, the the interview. So as you guys know, I have been a guitar uh, teacher for years, and a big part of what I like to teach, I also teach song and repertoire, but I believe that technique is very important. And the reason why I believe I'm a good teacher is because I studied technique rigorously when I was coming up. And I believe that uh, same thing with fitness or you know martial arts that technique is your core, right? That it help it, it allows you to to play what you want, execute what you want. And I have had a, a ton of students that have come to me whether they learned online, whether they learned from a a, a, a teacher that was not really a professional but could play a little bit, so they just thought, oh, this person is good, so he can teach me. And they come to me and they have this really flawed technique. And in order to advance them, I have to almost start them from the beginning. Now, I know you've definitely, you, I can't imagine that you haven't dealt with this as a, as a, as a Muay Thai coach and as a, as a fitness instructor. People that just weren't good at what they did, whether they learned it 
they created bad habits learning on their own or from someone else. But I'm sure you've seen that mm-hmm. before. So I've dealt with that a lot. Now it's one thing when you're when you're you know playing guitar and you you're something that's a hobby. But uh, Mike mentioned. For uh, especially with when it comes to powerlifting, that there are a lot of online resources that are good, and for what it's worth, it's true there are. But with powerlifting, the technique is is very important, and that would rely on the uh, the the it's trusting that some uh, your, yourself that you're going to be able to see something whether it's a video of someone demonstrating a proper lift right and especially if you go into certain olympic lifts where it gets actually quite complicated that you're trusting that the that looking at something online or reading something that you're going to be able to execute properly so on one one hand, if you don't do it properly, you just won't get better at it. But then, of course, you can injure yourself. So I think with certain general fitness things, looking online, we've talked about this before, uh, looking online is, is certainly a, a good option. But when it comes to something very specific like like lifting, especially powerlifting, you're putting up very heavy weights, form and technique is very important. And if you're not doing it right, it's just... You're, it's very potentially opening a can of worms. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree. I think it's it depends. I think that there are lots of resources online, and I think they're valuable resources, and you can learn a lot, um, especially with power. I think I'd be a little less um, forgiving, not forgiving. That's not the right word, but um, I would, I would, I. Would, I'd be more willing to kind of give that advice for powerlifting than I would Olympic lifts. So Olympic okay, so lifts, you're, yeah. you're, So Olympic lifts are yeah. way, way like I don't, you know, I don't want to say way. They're more. They're they're very technical because yeah. it really relies on momentum and explosiveness, and yeah. and so the technique has to be precise in order to lift heavy weights. Um, where power lifts are, in to some extent, it's just more raw strength. It okay. doesn't rely as much on being explosive, um, and so the movements. I think there's a little bit more room for error, um, okay. technique wise, to do it. So. I would separate them. So I think that there are lots of resources online and and some really good resources. So I th- I think it's not a it's not bad it's not bad advice. I think the problem just comes down to the person often because some people are super aware of their bodies and they can see a movement and analyze it and do it perfectly. And then there are others who can see a movement, analyze it, have somebody physically try to manipulate them, and it will take them months to get the right move. So, I, you know, in, to some extent, it it comes down to that own, that person's ability with their body and their own control. And like I said, some people have great control of their bodies and, and awareness, and some people have terrible awareness and control. So I think, you know, if you fall in the former category, then you'd be okay. And if you fall in the latter category, you're probably not. Um I, you know, I always err on the side of caution, so I'd always say, you know, you want to try to find a professional and somebody who can um, show you those movements. But if you don't have access to that, because not everybody does, so you want to get into weightlifting or powerlifting, and you don't have somebody there who's an expert. Because the other issue is, like, I'm fine teaching you how to bench press, you know, teaching you the technique, but I would be the last person to go to to sh- to learn the technique for co- competitive, and um, or, yeah. or 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 for a competitive squat or for, you know, a little more, a little more comfortable with the deadlift. But, um, 
the competition versions of those exercises are a lot different from what you'll see oh, in, not a lot in, of in a weight in a weight room. So there's a small percentage that are yeah. Are so 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 part of the issue is and where I can understand where he's coming from is if you don't have people who are experts in that, you know, you're going to have to figure it out on your own somehow. And so then you do have to seek out resources online to learn it. So if you're at a gym, like I said, not many people, you know, uh, uh, well, I, you know, I don't know, you know, how it is outside of New York, but like not many people at your average gym really have experience with those moves um, it, 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 as they're done competitively. And so you may need to seek out, you know, the information for yourself. And so in that case, you know, there, there is this, it is, it does, um, you know, it does help to have resources online. Now, is there any concern that someone looking to powerlift on their own might jump into it too fast, might do weight that's too heavy for them because they, they see something, oh, you want to do this weight, but then without knowing, oh, this is too much for me right now. Sure, and then we, that's what we talked about, you know, that, okay, that yeah, of course. you know, the progression is important when it comes to, especially powerlifting, I think progression, anything where you're, where you're dealing with heavy loads, um, you know, the less experience you have, the more time you have to take. And that's why people take years and years and years to really to build because a lot of it is, you know, obviously it's building your own strength, but, you know, it's also the, the ligaments and the joints um, adapting to it. I mean, the ligaments and tendons adapting. Um, there's the flexibility that's required for some of this and, and uh, just getting the overall mechanics takes a while. So, yeah, I think you see a situation where, where your progression is really important and, and you have to have the mindset of, you know, this is a few years process rather than like, all right, I'm competing next month and I want to, you know, I want to win next, you know, it's going to take time. Cool, but no, but it really was a fun chat, and uh, we definitely hope to have him back on soon. Um, right. I, I actually have a, a have a funny question that I've that I've been meaning to ask. What have you ever dealt with this before when you were you're training someone at a gym, and some someone else at the gym, just some gym goer, comes up to you, interrupts your session to ask you a question or for something like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that must be somewhat annoying. Yeah, right. I, and right, it's just like, do you not? It looks one thing if they well, don't realize you're in a session. Yeah, but for the people that do realize that you're in a session, well, it's like talk about right? self awareness, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you, uh, and I, I'm surprised. My, most of the time, my client, I've never had a client get upset with the person. I probably get more upset for sure. the client. And sometimes they're like, oh yeah, go help them. It's fine. But yeah, it's weird. Like you don't think like. You know, to me, it's like this person's paying for my time. Why are you asking me a question right now? And, and I'll, uh, you know, sometimes they may ask, like, "Hey, do you know where such and such is?" I'm sorry. Like, there are people who like they really need a piece of equipment and they're not sure where it is. They're new to the gym and they see the appointment and they're they're very apologetic and they ask me quickly and it's fine. And then you know, other people, it's like they want a spot. Yeah, I, we, I told you that whole story. I won't go into it right now, but I told you the whole story about the guy who wanted a spot. Um, I've had that happen a number of times. People want me to fix equipment or move things around, or they want to know why isn't this that. You know, it's like, well, I'm in the middle of a session. I can't help you right now. And it is bizarre that, that, that people are so unaware of what's going on around them that they, they have blinders. I, well, the, char, the charitable explanation is they have blinders on, they see a guy wearing the shirt for the gym or that's a trainer, and they're going to just ask and they don't realize that I'm in a session. I think, you know, if it wanted to be less charitable, it's like, no, they're just, they're just, uh, um, why is my brain not working? Um, they just don't care. The, yeah, yeah. you know the, and that's it they just they they just don't care that i'm in the middle of a session and they're so selfish and self-absorbed that they think i should you know give them attention so I, yeah definitely have had that happen why why'd you ask i don't know i was just just thinking about that <laughs> all right cool well um as usual all of our stuff is at the gymwits.com uh you find all of our social media like us uh follow us 
Um, review us, please, on iTunes. Every review really, really helps, so keep keep doing that. Um, and that's it. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. And we are the Gym Ones. <laughs> <laughs>